Welcome everyone to another episode of A Sister and Her Mister. Today we have Alyssa Vitti. She's a functional nutritionist and the author of her two books, In the Flow and Woman Code. She is on a mission to teach every woman how to work with your body to naturally, effectively, and affordably care for your symptoms through balancing your hormones. Doctor said you got PCOS, now go on girl, just lose some weight. Tonight took the symptoms into my own hands and reversed them naturally. So I became a dietitian to help my sisters feel the best they've ever felt. Take a step in my direction if you wanna prove them wrong and take control of yourself. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited to have you on the podcast again. I'm so happy to be back with the both of you. I, it's my favorite couple talking about hormones. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. For those that don't know, Alyssa Vitti has amazing resource of help on our website, but she's also written two books, The Flow and Women Code. Like, What inspired you to write those books and get started with you know, your practice? Oh my gosh, such an enormous story. I mean, because I've been doing this now for 20 something years. But what I, uh, what started off first, of course, was that I had PCOS and I didn't know it. And I went, you know, from doctor to practitioner to doctor for about seven years without any diagnosis. And my symptoms just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I gained a ton of weight. I was over 200 pounds. I was covered face, chest, and back in very painful cystic acne. And then from the age of 12 to 22, I only got my period six, five or six times, and three of those were chemically induced with synthetic progesterone. And the whole time I was being told, ah, it's normal, you know, maybe we just put you on the pill. It's normal to be this irregular. Meanwhile, like gaslighting. Yeah. And I just felt really like something was off, but no one was paying attention. And so finally, when I did, in fact, research in the uh, library when I was a student at Johns Hopkins, I discovered this little article in the obstetrics journal that talked about Stein-Leventhal disease, which is the original name for polycystic ovarian syndrome. What was the name? Sorry. Stein-Leventhal disease, named after the two uh, doctors who first understood this disorder. Uh, I think it was back in the 60s. Yeah, I've never heard that name before. Yeah. And so I, I recognized all of the symptoms as things that I was dealing with. And I went to my doctor the very next day. And we did all the testing. And when I came back to get the results, she sat me down and she's like, you're right, you have PCOS and sorry that we missed it. And sorry, it took so long for you to get a diagnosis. And I just really, that didn't bother me to be honest. Cause I think when you are going so long trying to figure something out and then you at least get an answer, you feel relieved. Honestly, I felt a little like, great. Okay, so now what? You know, I was very positive, but in that now what? question or how she responded to it. That's really what changed the course of my life and career. She then painted a picture for me of, you know, well, we have no cure. Um, You know, we can put you on a lot of medication. It's not going to get rid of all your symptoms. It might make them better, uh, but you will definitely be dealing with increased risk for diabetes, obesity, heart disease, cancer, infertility, and we'll just try to give you medication all throughout your life to help you navigate all of that. You know, I'm 20 something listening to this. It sounds so severe. Like I actually am really grateful that she had that very direct bedside manner because it was, um, I think it was the 
just laying that all out for somebody can be, you can react in two ways to something like that. You know, you can become like paralyzed with fear or you can become empowered and excited Mm -hmm. or something, or you just feel like you want to take action. And so for me, I sat in that moment. I was definitely overwhelmed. I was definitely scared, but I heard my body say very clearly to me, it was the craziest thing. I mean, even now when I think about it, I can still (laughs) reference this moment with such a bizarre thing. It just said my body, my cells, I don't know. They just said, that's not your future. Like clear as a bell. So I just opened my mouth and she's like, so do you want me to write a prescription for birth control? And I just, I couldn't think of anything else to say except what I had just heard. So I just said, that's not my future. (laughs) You said that? You said that? I said that to her. And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, I don't know. I don't know, but not it. (laughs) This is not it. I'm going to go take my, my expensively trained mind and I'm going to go figure this out. And I, I learned some things in that day, you know, that in that moment, I was one of now we know 3.1 billion women who are suffering from hormonal imbalances, whether it be PCOS or fibroids or endometriosis or infertility, perimenopause symptoms. I was one of a multitude of women who were at, at any given time having this exact experience, right? Sitting down in an office, being sort of told this horrible kind of prognosis, they can't be helped. So that was an eye-opening thing. And then I realized at the same moment that the conventional model of care obviously didn't have anything for us, right? That Mm -hmm. I was just told that there was nothing we can do, you know, not going to be a good situation. So I, I made myself a little promise. I said, if I could figure this out to help myself, right? I would like to build a platform to help other women because no one should go through the experience that I just went through. It's Mm -hmm. crazy to me and still was then and still is today that here we are in the 21st century and over half of the population of the menstruating women, right? That 80% of women will have a hormone issue in her lifetime and there isn't anything really to help these women. Not really. Mm -hmm. You know? Especially from a young age, like you, like in your situation, you were just handed birth control. And I'm, I'm amazed that you were able to just be like, no, I'm going to go into a different direction because so many people, they learned that, okay, birth control is a normal thing that you start taking when, you, when you're in your late teen years and you keep taking it through your 20s until you're ready to have a baby. Like a lot of people just have been taught that kind of mentality. Yeah, no, you're so right. I think it is what has been normalized for you that really sets your orientation to like how you perceive taking medication, how you are, um, how you feel about sort of advocating for yourself in a medical setting. And I definitely have uh, my parents, but definitely my mother to thank for just not in any overt way. There was nothing special. I mean, I took plenty of antibiotics as a kid. We went, you know, we, we, we followed doctor's orders, but there was something my mom always would question and ask questions. And I guess whether I was paying attention or not as a little girl, By the time I was a young woman, that felt very normal to me to ask questions and to advocate for myself when I was alone in the room with a doctor. So I think it is important if you are a mother and you have a young daughter to model for her when you are in a medical setting, what it looks like to just be curious, right? And not be afraid to open up and say what's on your mind, whether, you know, whether that might upset someone or not is irrelevant. You want to get your questions answered. It's important. So yeah, I think I think yes, it is unusual that I decided not to go down the road of taking that medication, but that really opened up so many different things and and I was able to put together the protocol which 
is the basis of the first book, Woman Code, that really just unlocked my hormonal, you know, homeostasis. So I went from being all those symptoms I talked about, overweight and acneic and, you know, amenorrheic and um, insomniacal and all the, you know, all the things, depressed. And I just watched my body heal itself, you know, just figuring out how to get the right inputs in your system in the right sequence for the endocrine system. It's just profound what can happen. And so the weight melted off 60 pounds, um, which, you know, I've been able to maintain that weight loss my whole life, including after sort of gaining that weight with a pregnancy, right? I gained 50 pounds with my pregnancy. Again, that just comes off when you know what you're doing, right? It's not complicated, no deprivation, the skin cleared up, the periods came back, ovulation, menstruation, like clockwork. And Amazing. it's just so, it's so exciting because, you know, to be able to put your PCOS into remission in such a salient way, a significant way is I think really something any woman can do. And being very, you know, mindful of the fact that if I were to start eating, I don't know, what would I have to eat? Diet Coke. <laughs> I'm trying to think like what, what crazy things do I have to, lots of processed food. I don't know. You'd have to like really go out of your way to eat a lot of things that would disrupt your, your endocrine system to start to cause your body to, you know, perform in, in this imbalanced way. So it, it was great. And then I just decided to start helping other women. I opened up my practice in Manhattan. And then about 10 years into that practice, I thought, um, I'd love to be able to use technology to help more women. And so 10 years ago, we started Flow Living, which is like one of the original femtech companies helping yeah. women with, you know, through telehealth, through our supplements, through our online digital therapeutics. Um, and I, it's just amazing that we're celebrating 10 years of taking care of women around the world. And and then I and then you asked how I ended up writing the, the second book. That came out of um really wanting to understand what big thing were we missing, right? How is it that 80% of women suffer from a hormone issue at some point in her life, but not that many men do? What, mm -hmm. what are we fundamentally either not understanding or getting wrong or disrupting in such a profound way that women are having more problems than men? Because we are both equally exposed to chemicals in the environment and in our food and you know, the blue light and all the things like we're all being exposed to that. So why are we suffering so much more? And that's when I stumbled upon the infradian rhythm and how much we were disrupting that. And when I sort of understood all of its implications, I decided we needed a method to support that, just like we need a method to support our circadian rhythm. So I created the cycle syncing method, which has now really gone viral. We have about 130 million women who are hashtag cycle syncing on TikTok and Instagram. And it's really that's cool. Amazing. And that's the whole, that is really in the flow is the cycle syncing, whatever you want to call it, the, the definitive guide. And your app uh, flow living is a, a kind of like a, like a cycle syncing, like, or helps for women to get their periods back, but also gives them a lot of resources to learn how to get their periods back. Right. Yeah. So the app is my flow and it has a circle kind of like the cover of the book with like a four part broken circle. And um, yes, it's the only cycle syncing method app official, and it definitely helps women deal with their symptoms and um, learn how to 
use the cycle syncing method appropriately and in real time across their cycle. Yeah. Let's deep dive into some of the things that you suggest for women to do to help with their periods and getting their hormones synced with the correct cycle. Like what are some of like actionable steps that women can take? Because we have a lot of listeners who are have probably heard of you before and have probably come across your book. And I want them to be inspired to pick it up because it's really Mm life-changing. And so is your app. So like, what are a couple of actionable steps that we can take to get rid of cramping and get our cycles back and get everything synced up? All right. Well, let's start with cramps. That's like my favorite thing to talk about because I think so many of us just believe the, the myth that we have to deal with cramps. Like it's just part of the deal. There's no getting around it. You know, if it comes once a month, you got to su- suffer through it. Not true. Let's learn the basics. You have these three prostaglandins that control the, the muscle of the uterus. And the uterus, its job during menstruation, of course, is to expel the lining, the endometrial lining that your body has built up during the luteal phase. And nature really likes to be efficient, which means it would not want to give you three prostaglandins that all cause the muscle to contract, right? That's not very efficient. That's a lot of work. It has you have only one, one prostaglandin that causes that contraction of the uterus. And the other two are responsible for relaxing the uterine muscle. So a little contraction to expel the uterine lining and then double the amount of relaxation. I explain this because I want you to know that in this scenario, the way nature designed you, you are not designed for having pain. Mm. You're designed for this to be efficient and not painful at all, right? Twice the amount of relaxation prostaglandins as cramping prostaglandins, right? Yes. So the problem is not how we're designed. The problem is how we're feeding these prostaglandins. And it turns out if you eat seed oils and bad oils, canola oils, safflower, highly refined seed oils, you jack up the production of that cramping prostaglandin, PGE2, and you suppress the production of PGE1 and 3. Now we're talking about inefficient uterine activity and pain, right? Mm -hmm. So you eat your way into a situation where your body is not efficient in terms of expelling the lining and you have increased pain and you can eat your way out of it. And we have women who just by changing the fat in the types of fats they're eating within one to two cycles are pain-free. And I mean, and this is after years of being in pain. And I, I myself remember the kind of pain I used to be in when my, my, you didn't know this in the beginning. And I first got my period back and I was being exposed to seed oils. I mean, I would, and I've been in labor. It was exactly the same, exactly the same kind of pain level as being in labor. And it's no fun. Wow. (laughs) What are like, what are the most common seed oils that people use? Like, is it canola oil? That's like the most common one. Canola oils in so many packaged products. And then I would say second to that would be like the safflower I see that everywhere. Those two are just, you got to get them out of your diet. Did you hear about that sister who took Ovacetol and finally got her period after a year of not having one? Incredible. 
I see those kinds of messages on Instagram a lot. How does that even happen? Well, Ovacetol helps with healing insulin resistance, a common root issue that most PCOS sisters have. And by targeting insulin resistance, we're seeing sisters kick those crazy cravings, finally regulate their periods, ovulate, and improve their egg quality. Each packet of Ovacetol has a 40 to 1 ratio of myo-inositol and d chiroinositol This ratio is similar to the ratio that should be found in the body. But with women like me who have PCOS, this ratio is often imbalanced. So taking Ovacetol can be super effective in treating insulin resistance starting from the root of the issue. So awesome. It tastes like nothing. So just warn me when you put it in a cup so I don't drink it. You got it, boo. Check out the link in the description to get 15% off your order. Talia had an experience with this because we were in Croatia and we were staying at like a hotel where it's like, you know, inclusive. They make, they do like a buffet and stuff. And we were pretty sure because we saw the chefs like pulling out these big drums of oil to put on the thing. And we were pretty sure they were using like some sort of a canola oil because Italians start to get like a few like breakouts. Bre breakouts. And you even like, I, I almost think I remember like saying your period was a little bit yeah. like more painful because it's usually you don't yeah, have any cramps. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, even You're just like, like one the week. best husband ever i just I mean, love that you can talk. this is this is the dream <laughs> this is what we want all male allies of men to be like people to be like <laughs> guarding us like, from oh, the safflower oil eating this and it changed you. that's so great i love it thank I you thank you i appreciate of it canola oil are being like drudged through the, the buffet and he's like that doesn't look very good yeah <laughs> you know yeah I know so, it's, it's tricky when you travel too, you know, I yeah. think that's such a challenge and, you know, depending, I've done crazy things. I've, I've put, you know, whatever I can, you know, if it's two ounces, whatever you can bring on, like I am not above taking things in what's supposed to be a shampoo bottle and packing my own oils and double bagging them in Ziploc bags, <laughs> like, you know, whatever you need to do, but yeah. yes, it, it then also does start to change the places that you choose to go to in terms of like the resorts you're choosing and things, you know, it does make a big difference because what's the point of taking a vacation if you come back less healthy? It's yeah. not yeah. good. I yeah. know. Okay. I am gluten and dairy free. Like I already watch what I eat and like make sure that I'm not overdoing the carbs, but also having some and, mm -hmm. you know, like I never really prioritized seed oils until like this year where I feel like more people are talking about it now. And I already don't eat that many processed things, but I do have like gluten-free crackers, you know, here and there. And that obviously has seed oils in it. So I love when someone explains exactly what's going on, because then I like, now that I've processed, now it, you're like motivated now that we have unstoppable <laughs> oils to prostaglandins, to contracting my uterus during my period. Now it has clicked. And it's over. It's over. Game <laughs> over. Yeah, I Game know. This over. Is what, and this is what I think people love about Flow Living and why we have so many women who stick with our programs is because, I mean, I'm the same way. I don't want to do things just because they're allegedly good for me. I want to do things because they're precisely something that I need and I want to yeah. learn what, what it is doing in my body, right? So I love that. That's very, very good. I'm glad you had that recognition. And someday when you are preparing to give birth to your first child, right? You'll be so happy that you made the switch away from seed oils because guess what is going to be involved in labor? Those prostos, same prostaglandins. Yeah. And so you can have a much greatly reduced labor, it's painful, like the pain factor of your labor can be lessened by 
you know, omitting all these seed oils in advance. Yeah. You really just nailed I, it, didn't I, you? <laughs> like, I am never eating a cracker again. I wish, I wish <laughs> there was I'm like. I'm sure there are crackers that are not. I, mean, I don't know. I, I barely eat any processed foods at this point. I can't think of yeah. a box in my house. There, yeah. There's one that's, I love their name. It's called Mary's Gone Crackers. Yes, that's that like, one's a great one. Yeah, that one's, that one, we had that one at home. It's pretty good. good. That one's God. pretty good. Yeah. It has it's an the intense, one it's a very intense, like flax flavor, but it's good. Yeah. Flax yeah. and chia, you know, I, you might I, I wish... start making your own crackers. That's true. Yeah, we can do that too, like with, with sweet potatoes. You're like, and don't like that. add another thing I have to I already <laughs> make breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> I make breakfast sometimes. How dare you? <laughs> but I wish there was like more data on like, how are women's periods when they're on a certain kind of like uh, not eating seed oils or how are, what kind of pain of uh, like pregnancy is there when you're, there's a certain diet? Cause I remember you were the first person I learned from where there was such a big discrepancy between scientific studies on men versus women and how like so many things like intermittent fasting, for example, has been touted as like this great savior for a lot of people. But then the data shows that majority of the studies are done on men and not on women who are still in their reproductive age. And there's such a big gap right now that's still remaining. It's so sad, but true. And yes, there should be so many more studies taking place. You know, it's beginning, but it's still at its infancy. Uh, I think, you know, the fact that they're starting to just even acknowledge that we should be tracking or we should be studying this phenomenon of the cycle and, uh, how women are different throughout it is is a great first step and hopefully more funding will follow but the, you know the most important thing is that women themselves are just fully aware that when they read an article that says this is the next great thing or this is the latest research on some diet or some fitness plan they need to read the fine print or click through to the study and look at the cohort who what age what gender was your age group and gender included in that study? If not, and likely it's not, you know, just delete the article. Pretend you didn't see it. <laughs> it's not relevant to you. It's yeah. just not, yeah. you know. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I just want to go back to the prostaglandins. How yeah. many months of consistency? Two, two, two. Okay, two months it's of happened away. so fast. I mean, we've we've been doing this for a long time. This with the cramps happens so fast. Unless there's a an unknown structural issue, like you didn't know you had a giant fibroid causing additional pain, right? Because that interferes with the uterus doing its job, or you have endometriosis you didn't know about. Again, knowing that women on average go seven years without a diagnosis, that's it could be, right? Yeah. And women with PCOS have a greater risk for developing fibroids or endo. So uh, unless that there's something like that there within a month or two, within a cycle or two, you can be, you can see it pain free. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. What are some other things that are like under, um, represented or like people don't talk about a lot that could be affecting. Yeah. I want to ask about the infradian rhythm. I feel like that can relate to, to that too. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like, I think another thing that we accept is mythology is like that the PMS phase is, is supposed to also be miserable, like full of mm. symptoms and bloating and and you know headaches and mood swings and you're binge eating and you feel like not yourself and and we joke it off like haha you know i'm in my i'm in that pms week you know be aware or beware whatever and that's just a hormonal imbalance right the luteal phase is a powerful time of the cycle it's the longest phase it's the longest part of the cycle it's 10 to 12 days 
it's my favorite. I mean, I know everybody thinks ovulation is your favorite time. I mean, I like all the phases there. Like it's like trying to pick a favorite season, but if I did have to pick, I would pick the luteal phase. Why? Because you've got the best of both worlds. You've got estrogen making you feel fabulous. And then you've got progesterone, which you don't get in any other phase of the cycle. Progesterone is probably the most exciting hormone to enter your brain chemistry during the cycle. It makes you feel calm and focused and like centered and fabulous. But that's only if you are making the right amount. And here's the thing. In the optimal luteal phase, you make more progesterone than estrogen. So it's golden ratio of more progesterone to estrogen. The problem is if you have any PMS, any acne, any mood swings, any bloating, any breast tenderness, any crazy cravings, it's you're just not making enough progesterone. You have more estrogen and less progesterone. And that inverted ratio equals PMS. So that's important to know because if you have PMS, it's no laughing matter. It's not a, shouldn't be the butt of a joke. It should be like, oh no, I have, I'm exhibiting signs of a hormone imbalance. I better get all over that. It would, you should react to it. Like getting a, uh, if you just took your temperature and it says 103 degrees, you should be concerned. Right. Yeah. I think that's important because we've all been conditioned by like, I mean, from everywhere, from everywhere you've ever heard, talked about periods or com- comedy shows. Yeah, or, TV you know, shows, like, yeah. We've normalized this suffering through the cycle and it's it's it hurts women because then we don't take any action. We think yeah. nothing's wrong. Something's very wrong. You want to take action. So what's the best thing you can do in the luteal phase to help like triage in this moment where you're having all the symptoms? First thing to do is pick up your fork, have a snack, have a, have a, gl- a very nice, slow burning carb protein fat snack. Like what could that be? A poached egg on top of a sweet potato or a piece of whole grain sourdough bread with avocado and smoked salmon. Yes. Right. Cause you need studies show. And this is, this goes back to your question, Sudak about uh, the infradian rhythm, right? It affects our metabolic rate in the luteal phase. Your metabolism speeds up. So you need 279 more calories per day. So that little snack attack that I just gave you, right? That's going to give you a couple hundred calories and it's going to help keep your blood sugar nice and stable. Why do we want to keep blood sugar and insulin stable? Because when it's not, when our metabolism speeds up and we don't eat enough calories in the luteal phase, we then trigger cortisol release, which then steals from our body's ability to make progesterone. So it exacerbates, it makes it worse, this problem that you're having of not enough progesterone. The only way out of this problem to start is to make sure you're eating enough calories. How do you know if you're eating enough calories? Well, you wouldn't find yourself at the bottom of a bag of potato chips being like, where where am I? I'm back, where'd I go, (laughs) right? Like that happens for a lot of women. Like all of a sudden you come out, you ate a whole sleeve of cookies. You don't, you do not remember where you were for the past five minutes and where you were was in a ghrelin fog, right? When blood sugar drops too low, neurotransmitter ghrelin is released and you don't have a proper leptin response to say, hey, stop eating now. You just keep eating and eating and eating and over consuming so that those two neurotransmitters get get thrown off. You have too much junk, you feel bad. It's, It's like, it's just a vicious cycle. So first eat a wholesome snack with a high fat, high protein, decent, slow burning carb snack. That's step one. Step two is, take some B vitamins. Mm. Vitamin B6 helps support the production of progesterone. And then I would also have you take a vitamin C, which also helps support the production of progesterone. 
And that's just to triage that cycle. But then you've got to start cycle syncing so that you don't, you know, because every part, every phase of the cycle is dependent on the phase before. So you've yeah. got to really start using the cycle syncing method to help you keep keep every phase healthy so you're not having symptoms in any phase. Yeah, because I was going to say the luteal phase right afterwards is the menstruation phase. So if your luteal phase didn't go well, then your right. menstruation phase is going to be more painful. You're going to ha have more cramps and et cetera. So exactly. that makes sense. You got it. You got it. Exactly. Everything is interconnected. I yeah. like how you um, highlighted that we need like 200, how many calories? During 279. 279 extra calories during the luteal phase, because I feel like a lot of women kind of suppress that and they're like, oh, my period's starting. I have such cravings. I'm so hungry. I just can't. I feel so bad. I ate like more bread than I would have. And I'm like, I think you just need it. Like, I think something's happening. And if your body is like, I, I am hungry. If can you're I tell hungry, you, you're hungry. Can I, can I tell you what is happening? Because it should give everybody like immediate comfort and that you should never have this war with yourself ever because here's what's happening. One, like I said, the infradian biological clock is causing a an increase in your metabolic speed. So your metabolism is working faster, which means you burn through calories quicker. That's what that means. So you have to eat more to keep your blood sugar stable just to deal with that. But the second thing that's going on is you are 3D printing an entire organ in this phase. What is that organ? The endometrium. No big deal. You know, you're just 3D printing a specialized organ. <laughs> no problem. No biggie. Where do you think that comes from? The thin air? No, this is coming from the food that you eat. It's Your body extracts massive amounts of micronutrients to produce the endometrial lining. You have to eat to make this. It's the same thing when you're pregnant, right? You wouldn't like think to go on a diet when you're pregnant because you're 3D printing a human being. <laughs> yeah. right? Same thing. Every month, once a month, you're making this specialized organ and it's very nutrient, you know, it's like it requires a lot of nutrients. So you have to eat quality foods. You don't want to try to restrict your calories to go against what is naturally happening with your metabolism and then not eat nutrient dense foods so that you can't make a good endometrial lining. Like you're just shooting yourself in like both feet, right? And it's not good. And when you follow the cycle syncing method, you'll see in the very famous food flow chart of chapter four of In the Flow, you'll notice that the foods for this phase are extremely nutrient dense, lots of cooked grains, cooked root vegetables, cooked leafy greens. We want your body to be, we want everything to be as bioavailable as possible so that you can extract as much nutrition as possible from your food and yeah. make this lining. Yeah, that's I never thought of it that way. Like you're literally creating an organ in your body. Therefore, your body needs more energy to support that. I, I'm like literally thinking to myself, what if men were creating a testicle every single month? Like it's just <laughs> you guys would be like, thing. okay, I got to do this, this. I know how you would be. You'd be all over it. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and you would feel my... no guilt about it. You'd be like, yo, I got to make this product right now. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> And again, it comes out of our different conditioning, right? Because men have been taught to view their bodies as a tool, right? As, as I mentioned this during my TED talk, Gloria Steinem said this, men have been taught to use their bodies, to view their bodies as a tool with which to master their lives. Whereas women have been taught to view their bodies as an obstacle mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. fight with, mm -hmm. right? To fight with, to be ashamed of the... the it would be a totally different game if women were taught the same thing. Like, you know, I have a daughter 
you know, she's eight now. I'm always talking to her about just little things, age appropriate things. Like the first thing I ever taught her was how to look at her poop. Oh, you know, I, was like, I don't, can't remember when I started. I think she was four, maybe five. I was like, all right, let's look at your poop. She's like, what are we looking at? I was like, well, how does it look? Does it look like a golden banana or does it look like dinosaur fossils? Or does it look like, you know, a floating pond of gross, you know, gross poop? So she knows there's sort of three general categories. If it's too loose, we got an issue. Maybe something's going on, stomach bug. If it's the nice golden banana, she's having a good hydration, good you know fiber profile. If it looks like dinosaur fossils, she's dehydrated, not getting enough vegetables. And that's just good for some four or five-year-old to understand because then she could look at her poop and say, uh-oh, I got to drink some more water. Time to do this. I'm training her from wow. a young age to just understand that her relationship with her body is active response. Like if you observe something that your body's doing, go ahead and do something about that immediately and teaching you what those appropriate things are. It's not a big deal. You know, it's, Oh, maybe I should take some probiotics this week, mom. Let's do it. Right. Like what, you know, so I'm teaching her to start thinking strategically about that. And now that she's a little older, you know, helping her understand macro macronutrients. That's our new thing, the difference between carbohydrates. Because, you know, she's a kid. If if I just let her eat, like, I don't know, pounds and pounds of pasta, she'd probably be very happy. (laughs) But I'm like, okay. You know, so we've been doing a breakfast experiment. She goes to school in the morning and she would complain to me. She said, mom, you know, sometimes by the time it's morning snack, I just feel so starving. You know, I said, Mm. well, and then I asked her, what did you eat for breakfast? You know, because sometimes my husband will give breakfast or I, even if I made her the breakfast, I just, I play dumb and I'm like, so what did you eat for breakfast? Like, oh yeah, I just, I didn't eat the hard boiled egg you gave me. I just ate the toast with the butter. You know, I didn't, I didn't drink my, I didn't have my yogurt, whatever the protein and the fat was, she would like skip it. And I was like, okay, well. Now you know how that's making you feel. You're having a blood sugar crash and that doesn't feel really good, right? So you've got to change your breakfast. So then we play a game of like, let's figure out which breakfast you need to feel really energized until lunch. Recently, she had to sit for one of those, um, I don't know, school tests. Mm-hmm. She's like, mom, I got to have so- like chicken sausage, hard boiled eggs, just a little bit of sourdough bread that my dad makes with lots and lots of avocado. That's going to be my pre-test breakfast. She's eight. Wow. That's a, that's really good. That's a very hearty breakfast to start your day. Pre-test breakfast. My God. Because I'm teaching her how to have it. You know, because that's what children should learn at a young age, because I know by the time she rolls into puberty in a couple of years, First of all, everything that she's been eating is going to set her up for either endocrine disruption at puberty or endocrine support at puberty. And then for her to just be in the habit of certain foods don't make me feel good. And I know what foods do. It's like, you know, nine tenths of the game when all of this, you know, then we'll lay around the cycle sinking as soon as she starts her cycle. This is so, oh my God, you're going to be like, let's throw a party when she starts her cycle. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to start thinking about like, what am I going to do? <laughs> Yeah, no, you're doing such an amazing job, like teaching Where her how to learn this. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, like teaching her how to listen to her body mm-hmm. in different ways from, you know, going to the bathroom or like w- how she's eating, because that's something that we're never like taught, like both men and women about how like food affects your body in certain times, but especially for women, because it can have such a big impact later down in your life with like your, your cycle and yeah. things. So that's I'm just, amazing. I'm just, you know, since I happen to 
you know, do what I do, I thought to myself, you know, I have a daughter, let me be in the experiment with her of what does it look like to raise her from the beginning, empowered around how to navigate her body, Yeah. Um, at least with the information. And yeah. let's see how that goes. I have no idea. Well, I'll keep you posted. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a living experiment. So <laughs> yeah, we can't wait. We can't wait to hear more because I think we'll definitely use yeah. some of that when we have children. And she'll be like eighteen by the time we have an eight-year-old. You know, one day. So we'll like well, cross-reference well, with you. Yes. Who knows? Maybe there'll be another book at that point. <laughs> yeah. And and speaking of what you do, you're actually coming up to the tenth anniversary of of everything you do, like with your app, with your, uh, your website, your books. Like it's been it's been about ten years. Uh, the anniversary is coming up. It sounds really exciting. I mean, congratulations on the 10 years of helping people. Thank you. Yeah, it's a joy to be able to help so many women recover their cycle if they've been dealing with PCOS or, you know, put endometriosis into remission or get pregnant, whether they do that naturally or with IVF, instead of doing 20 rounds of IVF to just do one, you know, whatever, whatever a woman's goal is to be able to really work with her body, with food and supplements to just make the system work better. It's so great. Uh, I love my, I love what we do. I love every, every time I, a woman writes in, it's just so inspiring to hear her story of transformation. And we have a lot of exciting new things coming. So stay tuned at the end of May, definitely check our IG feed. There's going to be a lot of fun activations the last week of the month. Uh, we have some pretty big things happening for this the start of the next decade. That's amazing. Awesome. That's amazing. And can you uh, tell the listeners what your IG handle is? And we'll put everything in the description, but just so anyone listening, what's your IG handle and website so they can go there immediately? Yeah, you can. Uh, the website's flowliving.com, F-L-O living.com. The IG handle is at flowliving and uh, at alisa.viti. I'm also on TikTok. <laughs> um, <laughs> you jumped on. <laughs> I jumped on finally. And then the app is myflowtracker.com. Amazing. We'll put all that in the description for anyone who's interested. We highly, highly recommend to check that out. Thank you, Lisa, for joining us on today's episode. We really enjoyed having you having you on again. I can't wait to have you back on in the near future. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Hey, sisters. Just wanted to let you know that all of our podcast episodes have corresponding blog posts that dive deeper into each topic. So head over to PCOSweightloss.org slash blog. Is it slash or is it backslash blog? I don't know. I've always heard one or the other. It's forward slash. Or slash? Just in case, you can also go to PCOSweightloss.org.